Welcome to Doggy Dish, where two of LA's best dog trainers serve up a hearty helping of dog topics. At the end of this podcast, we'll provide information on how to contact our trainers. And now, here they are. Hi, this is Laura Berhenny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And I'm Kim Reinhardt with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. And what are we talking about today, Kim? I think we're going to talk about rescue dogs. Oh, a topic near and dear to my heart. And a label far and <laughs> and what's the opposite of near and dear to my heart? Okay. Anyway, far and away. So, so, so right off the bat, I just want to get it off my chest. And then not, we'll not that on. she's against rescue no, no, no. dogs. No, I want to. I want to. I just want to say. No, the label rescue dogs has become, unfortunately, very overused. When we talk about labels, or when we use that label, frequently we're talking about just dogs that have, are on a second home, that have been rehomed for whatever the reason. The re- reason I have a problem with the term rescue, not that some of those dogs aren't rescued because they absolutely are, but the reason I have a problem with the term rescue is because a lot of times it brings on a, a sympathetic response that gets in the way of healthy relating right. to the dog. It connotes some horrible history that the dog has and some baggage that it's bringing with it to its new home. And frequently people are encouraged to make up a backstory when they have no idea what's going <laughs> on with the dog. Absolutely. I was sweeping the other day and the dog ran away. He must have been beaten with a broom. Right. <laughs> right. Or I picked up a dish and he ran away, so he must be afraid of the dish. You know, there are a thousand reasons why animals have responses to a particular item or to a particular set of noise or whatever. And I think that when you start making up a backstory in a relationship that you're having with somebody where you have no evidence of that backstory, no true evidence of that backstory, right? that what happens is you make assumptions and you start responding to those assumptions when they are really a product of your imagination. And it's doing a huge disservice to the dog because regardless of the dog's history, you need to deal with how he is now. Right. And regardless of how he got there. Right. My sister has a dog who she's had for 11 years now, 12 years now, had her since she was seven weeks old, knows this dog was never abused, and this dog, if she were found on the street tomorrow, somebody would swear this dog had been abused because she's afraid of her own shadow. Um, Years ago, I had somebody dumped a cat in my neighborhood, and she was pregnant, and she was very far along in the pregnancy, so I ended up adopting her and letting her have the kittens at my house. And out of those five kittens, one of them was just really deathly afraid of things and really reactive. And and I knew what their beginning was from the day they hit the ground. They were born in my house. I took very good care of them. I couldn't have adored them more, you know, if I had given birth to them myself. And, and yet, you know, I had four very normal, healthy-functioning little kittens. Right. And one that was just really fearful and if you didn't know anything about her and you just saw her you would think that this cat had been through especially if she had been in if I had taken them to the animal shelter which I never would have done but if I had taken them to the animal shelter and they had found some homes that way somebody could have adopted her and made the assumption that she had had a really difficult beginning in reality um she it was, was just born, her. Yeah, well, she was born with her little bottom in the, in the butter dish, let me tell you, because those kittens had everything that I could possibly supply for them. Right. But that's right. It was just her personality. So now that the rescue term is out of the way, because they are. So I mean, what do you call it? So like if somebody gets a dog from from a rescue organization or adopts a dog from, you know, gets a dog from the shelter, what? Well, I like to call them second chance dogs. Okay. That's what they are. You know, they're dogs that have been given a second chance. They've been given a second home or, or a rehome, which is a very clinical sounding name, but it's a little bit closer to reality. Right. 
there are dogs that have been rescued. We've certainly, you know, all watched Animal Planet or whatever and seen dogs or animals that have been in really horrific sets of circumstances that have literally been rescued from their situation. Right. Or somebody has adopted a dog. And that's fine. But what I... What or you I, take a dog up the street, which can, can really feel like a rescue. That, right. It does feel like you rescued them from from unfortunate right. set of circumstances. Right. But to say that you rescued a dog from a rescue... Was the rescue that horrible that you needed to rescue it from the rescue? Yeah, I yeah. I mean, you know, it's just terminology, and I guess, you know, what's in a name. But for me, the reason that it's a problem for me is that I find that a lot of times it gets in the way of people really just creating a relationship with their animal and moving forward from today forward instead of they, – they tend to get stuck in the right. past. In the past. So – but it's a rescue. Okay, we'll call it a rescue. Anyway, what about rescue dogs, Laura? <laughs> Well, I love them. I've never had anything but. I've had a lot also. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I tend to, well, most of mine have all been adults, six, well, you know, adolescent adults, six months or older. Only one has been young. Um, and she, she was a rescue off the street. She and her brother came from a homeless woman. Uh-huh. You know, somebody that I know was outside of, you know, was walking out of a store and saw this homeless woman there with these seven or eight week old puppies and said, I'll give you a hundred bucks for the dogs. And she took it. Right. Right. You know, and thank God for that. Right. So when we're talking about rescue dogs, in, and what, what is it that we can do to help people um, make a good start with a rescue dog? Well, I think the first thing they need to do is understand what rules the dog is going to have for the, for the rest of its life and start off with those rules from day one. Because otherwise, especially with people who make up backstories for these dogs, or even if you don't, even if you know that the dog had a horrible background, let's say you know that the dog lived with your neighbor and the dog was tied up outside all the time and never got any attention or they beat the dog or whatever, regardless of what the dog's history is that you do or do not know about, you have to start from scratch and you have to have rules in your house and you bring the dog in and you, you know, you don't give him a bunch of leeway that you're going to then take away from him in three months because that just causes confusion. Right. And that's not fair. Right. Yeah, a lot of that has to do with with guilt, and I think we'll we'll address that in a, in a yes. later podcast. But um, I agree with you. Bringing a dog in and sort of not establishing your rules from the get go because you want the dog to get comfortable first is a is a huge mistake. Yeah. Because unfortunately, the easiest way for the dog to get comfortable is to be able to figure out how this house works. And if you're very clear from the day they walk in about the rules that you have in the house about about how things are going to go. If you don't allow them a huge amount of leeway in the beginning and then try to take that back later, that's what creates comfort for an animal. Right. They can, they can cope with whatever set of rules that you have. If your rules are... From that day one. That's right. If your right. rules are that it that at your house you don't get on the furniture or, if, or perhaps you have a house where you let the dog in three of the five rooms that you, you know, main rooms of the house. Right. If you establish those rules in the very beginning, if you don't allow the dog to be super pushy or push a lot for food or whatever, whatever the sit Right. For some reason I'm drawing a blank. But, right. But, the, but whatever the rules are, if you establish them at the very beginning, there's nothing about that that is that It's not cruel. Right. Right. Just because, you've come, not, because you're having a second chance. Right. And the cruel, yeah, and, and the dog isn't going to look at you sitting up on the couch and go, why can't I get up on the couch? Even if he gives you, you moon know? eyes, by the way. Right. Even if he looks like he's giving you moon eyes. Right, like because it, it's more cruel to let him up on the couch now, and then the three months later, once he's comfortable, once he's been in your house for a while, that then you go, yeah, you know what, in actuality, we really don't want you on the couch long term. 
Well, and, and even if you took away the, the term cruel, which I, I actually agree with you on that, the hardest part about for a dog about being bounced from place to place, the hardest part about a renal... Is the inconsistency? Is the inconsistency, exactly. So if, if the dog comes in and from the day it lands in your house, there are just set rules, and you're just really clear about those... He's going to go with not, it. Well, not only that, he's not only going to go with it, he's going to feel comfortable. He's going to appreciate it. Because in all honesty, it will be much easier for him to make that, to adapt to that new set of circumstances if that new set of circumstances is real clear and real upfront and real spelled out for him. And and unfortunately, this unfortunately, you know, ties in with my discomfort with the whole rescue term. It's, It's people bring, sometimes, not everybody, sometimes people bring animals into their house and because they feel sorry for the dog, whatever the set of circumstances are, maybe they just feel sorry for the dog because it got bounced. Maybe maybe they take the dog in because they somebody that, that they know passed away and right. so the dog has lost his owner and they feel sorry for the dog, for this new dog coming in and they don't establish the rules right off the bat. You're not doing the dog any Well, and not only that, but your emotional state will affect the dog. So if you're walking around going, oh, poor dog, oh, poor dog, the dog's going to go, what's wrong? Something must be really wrong. Right. As opposed to if you go, hey, this is your new life. Isn't it fabulous? Right, right. You know, the dog's going to go, well, yeah, now that you mention it. And by the way, you don't have to make that life fabulous. You know, bringing a dog in and supplying all his needs and being a caring owner and and, um, being very clear with him, that is what a dog needs. So, yeah. so when you bring that in, that is a fabulous life. Whether or not he's allowed on the furniture, right. whether or not he, I, I mean, I think one of the typical ones is, is getting up on the bed. You know, if somebody brings the dog home and, and the dog, they're not going to let the dog sleep on the bed because they don't want that. And then, then the dog comes in and he's real sad and he gives them moon eyes and they feel so sorry for him. So they go ahead and let him up on the bed. Unfortunately, then later when they're no longer feeling sorry for the dog anymore right. or it becomes an inconvenience or there's some reason that they remember, hey, we weren't going to do this yeah. and they want to make that switch. It can be really, that can be really upsetting. That can be really a problem for a dog. And, and you know what, a little bit more about what you said, which is they pick up on your moods. So if you're walking around feeling sorry for them and you're walking around pitying them and thinking how sad their life must be, they don't necessarily know why it is that you're right. doing that, but they do pick up on that is the general mood household and then they look sad and then you think that they're sad and so then you look sad back at them and you act sad because they're sad well and, and it's just a, it's just a never-ending cycle because it's interesting because how many times have you gone into homes where that's been the case you've gone in and you found this sort of general melancholy in addition to problem behaviors in right in addition to problems right and it has its root in the fact that this was a rescue dog and when the dog first came in there was this whole backstory when you take in a dog, try not to develop a backstory. Right. Try not to. It, Laura made a good point at the very beginning of this, which is today is the first day of the rest of your time together. Did I so, say that? Well, you did. You didn't say it in those words, but but you did. You said wow. That. Okay. But but it is. I'm good. You have to. <laughs> you rock, girl. But anyway, <laughs> but you have to move forward with the idea that everything's wonderful. This yeah. is great. This is a great situation. Yeah, because, I mean, we all know that if we walk in the room with a smile on our face, our dog is going to go, hey, good to see you. Right. Right? And it works the other way around as well. Right. If we walk in going, oh, I know, you probably miss your mom, because we know that mom died or mom had to go into a home or whatever, 
And yes. so, oh, I know you miss your mom. I'm sorry about that. And we walk around like that. The dogs are going, oh, something must be terribly wrong. Right. right. But if we walk in and we go, hey, how you doing? I mean, we recently I got a new addition because of a family situation for somebody else and I'm treating her like one of the other dogs. Right. Right. I'm not I'm not walking around going, Oh, you must miss your family, huh? Right. You must miss your family. I'm so sorry about that. I'm going, Hey baby here, how you doing? Right. Absolutely. But but in addition to the emotional baggage, because I think we've kind of kind of covered that. What are some okay, when you bring a new rescue in, what are some of the, the first things I know with this dog that you recently acquired that there this dog has been here before but if you have a dog that comes in, and let's say you're a client, and you're and so they bring a dog in that's never been there, I think it's a really good idea to take time to sit down and figure out what what are the rules going to be? What yeah. are my parameters? Yeah. If you don't already dogs. have a dog and have those rules established, which brings up another problem. Like, let's say you have a dog. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but... You know, you have oh, another no, dog living. <laughs> you you have another dog living in your household, and he follows different rules. He follows a set of rules, and you bring in this other dog that you again make up a backstory, or you know that he has a bad, you know, a horrible background. He gets to live by different rules. He has other privileges that the other dog doesn't have because you're trying to make him comfortable in his new situation. But you know that three months down the road, his rules are going to be the same as the old dog. Right. Okay. So let's say. Let's say you bring a dog in, and, and the first thing to do is to sit down. However, if you have another dog, then that makes it a little, little bit easier because you have rules that are in place. But if you're just bringing a dog in at the very beginning, one of the things I think people don't do is sit down and really think about what how they want things to go. They sort of fly by the seat of their pants. They, right. they sort of make it up as they go along. Yeah. And it's a really good idea to, to sit down and take the time to figure out, okay, what is it we are going to allow? What is it we are not going right. to allow? But this How? goes with any dog, R- puppy, whatever. So Absolutely. But especially in a rescue s- situation, I think um, people are less likely to do that because yeah. they want to watch the dog to see the dog's reaction. And I think right. that's the point we're trying to make is your rules exist outside of the dog's reaction. What you need to do is set up your blueprint for the way things are going to go, for yeah. your set of rules. And then work the dog into that blue. Are shockingly, amazingly, wonderfully adaptable. adaptive, right? And they will go with the flow if if it is clearly laid out and and not emotional. They will absolutely fit in and go with the flow. They're they're real smart and real practical that way. Yeah. So aside from so, let's say you, you bring in the dog and you've already made the decisions about what you're going to do. How do you have your clients, or how do you usually recommend that those first few days go? Well, if if it's a dog, I'm trying to think. What do I tell my clients to do? Well, I know that. Well, because because every household is different. (laughs) Every every household is different, and so it's like, well, let's see. Do they have kids? Do they not have kids? Do they have another dog? Do they not have another dog? So let me talk about myself. Mm -hmm. When a new dog comes in, um, first thing I do is make sure that they're comfortable in a crate, because every single one of my dogs needs to be comfortable in a crate. They need to be crate trained. They need to be used to confinement, because. It's just it just makes for a happier, easier lifestyle to be able to put them in a crate if I have plumbers here or whatever, and not have them going berserk because they've never been confined before. And so the way you might be able to adapt that to any household is to say to somebody, let's say that you're working with, let's figure out what a place of confinement might be, a right. place that you could put this dog because it doesn't have right. to be a crate. There are a lot of w- different ways to confine a dog, and we're kind of going to go into that I think right. in the future, but. Let's figure out a way to, let's figure out a place 
that's right. going to be the place of confinement. And that confinement is not a punishment. Right. That confinement is a place where the it dog could feel comfortable right. and safe. Right. It could be a bathroom behind a baby gate. It could be in the laundry room behind a baby gate. It could be an exercise pen in the kitchen, whatever. Okay. But the dog should be, because also you, if you don't know this dog, the dog could be a chewer. The dog could be a digger. The dog could be... An escape artist. You know, an escape artist. The dog could be the kind that pulls the drapes off of the right. curtain rod. Hello, right. Petey. My own right. dog, Petey. <laughs> right. Who, when I, I brought him home, and he was probably a year and a half old, and I left him, and I left him in the den where there's a dog door to go outside. I left him in there, and came back 15 minutes later, he had pulled the drapes off of the rod. It's like, right. okay, well, stupid owner. Right. Totally my fault because I didn't know the dog. <laughs> okay, go easy there, girl. <laughs> well, I'm... But yes, you're right. That's that's a mistake that you made. Right. That's a mistake that you made. Okay, so let's say the first thing that you do is you you try to establish what kind of confinement you can do. In your house, it's a crate. Mine, mine too. I think all yeah. should be crate trained. It's just a personal preference right. of mine. Okay, so then next. Okay. um, And then... Gosh, well, of course, really are we going into the spot. food thing or as far as switching them over to a food or, I mean, the main sure. thing is, is my, like my basic rules are you wait at the door. You don't push past me going through the door. I get a little lax on that after the dog has been here for a while, but I start out with, right. this is how we behave at the door. Right. And then I slack off some, but then it's easy, it's easier to pull it back in, to rein it back in and they're more you know, they're going to go with that more than if I just let them blow through the door for the first six months and then suddenly now I have to teach them a different behavior because that which we learn first, we learn best. Right. Right. I know at my house I I have a big thing about um, – my dogs are allowed on some of my furniture and they're not allowed on others. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things that a dog has to learn when they come into my house is where it is that you're allowed and where you're not allowed. Right. You know, I have a futon in the – sit and watch television and then all the dogs are allowed up there. Right. Now, I take it back. All dogs that are allowed up there that can be up there, if a dog shows a lot of um, a lot of resource guarding, resource guarding on the right. couch, then they might I, I did have a time when I had one dog that simply wasn't allowed up there. As soon as he got into that that area he became very resourcey and I went, okay, well obviously you can't you can't. You can't and so the other dogs right. did live by a different rule because honestly, everybody else was allowed, right? And he wasn't. And you, did you feel guilty that the, that he wasn't? Not vaguely. No, not vaguely. Because right. in all honesty, uh, it was a protective measure for me, mm-hmm. not only for him but for my other animals. Right. So it was it was necessary. Right. And dogs don't go around going, well, he gets to do it and I don't. No, absolutely. They don't do that. And there was nothing vindictive about my decision. Right. Either. My decision was simply made out of a way to. To, to manage a possibly dangerous situation. Yes, to practically handle something that had cropped up. And so there wasn't um, there wasn't a bad feeling about it. There's the food issue, right? right. One of the th- first things you have to do if you're bringing a dog in is try to just, is try to figure out, first off, does this dog have any resource guarding issues? Is right. there something that we need to be looking for here? Keep in right. mind that when you bring a rescue dog home, in those first few days that you have the dog at home, there is a honeymoon period longer than the first few days, in the first yeah. few weeks. There's a honeymoon period. You don't see every behavior that that dog is going to present to you, even every behavior that that dog is comfortable with or defaults to necessarily in the first few days when you bring the dog. Right. And sometimes it takes three to six weeks, four to six weeks, something like that. Recently, I worked with a, with a dog that had only been in the house maybe two or three days before I saw it. It was a little dog. And um, this dog was already showing some behaviors mm-hmm. that I was not comfortable with. 
And so we started dealing with those right away. There were some handling issues, some pretty severe handling issues. And uh, he was a fairly young dog. He wasn't a puppy, but he was a fairly young dog. And by our third or fourth appointment, I saw a huge change in this dog's demeanor, which I was very pleased with because I wasn't sure it was going to go that way because I was thinking, boy, for this dog to only having been in this house for two to three days, already showing this behavior when it's supposed to be the honeymoon period, wow. But also because it was only two or three days and we started establishing the rules from the get-go, I think that's what really changed. Well, actually, that brings up a really interesting point, and I think we can go into this in detail in the future also. But um, one of the things to remember is when you bring a dog home and it's a rehome, you're going to see things that you like and you're going to see things that you don't like. However, if you see a behavior that causes you concern, that's the time to deal with it. You right. don't wait until the dog, you don't assume that as the dog gets more and more comfortable in your home. <laughs> that it's going to get better. Right. And right. So He's going to get better at doing the behavior. Right. So if you, if you don't have the tools to deal with it or you don't know how to deal with it, get help. Get right. some help. Don't wait. So often, you know, in a situation like that, we'll see the dog quite a bit later in the situation and I will and I always wish I could have seen the dog at the beginning when right. this first started to rear its ugly head so I instead of it's gone on for four it. or five months right so when you bring a rescue dog home remember there's a honeymoon period if you start to see something crop up first of all if you see something that you don't like to crop up the very important thing to remember is it's behavior people it's not the dog right this is not a bad dog there's nothing wrong with this dog this dog has some behavior issues it's got some habits bad habits if it was a person that's what we would call it this person has some bad habits we wouldn't necessarily label them a bad person right and so the thing to do is to deal with those things immediately not to see if they will go away over time how how often have i heard that yeah that Hmm. happens a lot if i had a nickel is that what they say yeah that happens a lot and i think it's a really it's one of the big misconceptions that people have yeah is that some behavior that they see that they don't like well when he gets more comfortable he'll it'll go away right yeah it'll go away problems like that don't go away we are here to tell you it gets worse it absolutely gets worse as the dog gets more comfortable a default behavior becomes something that they become more and more comfortable exhibiting and so it will get worse which doesn't mean throw out the dog right it will get worse without intervention yes so the so the key there is to deal with it right away absolutely right away and what you don't want to do about that is say, well, he's under too much pressure, therefore we'll give him fewer rules, and then that will make things go a lot easier. Right. What you do is persevere with your rules and then come up with ways to deal with the behavior. If you have the tools to do that, right. you know how to do that, then that's a good time to start. But if you don't have those tools already, that's a good time to get out and get some professional help. Right. So is that about it for rescue dogs? I feel well, like there's, there's things so that we much. haven't yet. Well, yeah, but, but there's also things that I'm sure we're going to cover in another podcast too. Right. So, so um, the big message of this one was So this could either be a short podcast or a really long one. <laughs> we're going to make, we're not going to do that to people. But so the thing to remember, I think the big lesson or the big thing that we wanted to impress on you is don't make up a backstory. Deal with the dog from today forward. Yes. And have rules from the get-go. Establish those rules right, right from the start. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, this is Laura Berheny from Animal Attraction Unlimited. And this is Kim Reinhardt with Ain't Misbehaving Canine. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Doggy Dish, a podcast series about dog training and other related issues. To suggest a topic for a future segment, please email us at dogdishtopics at yahoo.com. 
To learn more about our featured trainers, or if you're interested in training for your own dog and you live in the Los Angeles area, you may contact Laura or Kim directly. To speak with Laura, call 818-800-4818 or visit her website at www.petdogtrainer.com. To speak with Kim, call 818-890-1133 or visit her website at www.beagooddog.com. Thank you for listening.